0: So we have a magical guest joining us here today. Uh, A breath of fresh air. Many of the people see her as the mama bear of the organization, but through talent and perseverance and mindset, Shantae has floated her way to the top of every sales organization she's been a part of. If you're feeling down or looking for some inspiration, this should be a great conversation to listen to. The one I call shantae introducing the one, the only, Shantae Sheets.
1: Oh my god, Megan! I'm like already going to cry. <laughs> <laughs> oh
0: okay, cool. Awesome. Oh. That's a good start. So Shantae, like I told you, we start every mm-hmm. podcast here with a flex, personal or professional. So tell me, what are something you're personally, professionally proud of this year?
1: Oh, I'm not one to brag, but I will do a humble brag for you, my good friend.
0: Thank you.
1: Personally... My son is crushing it in middle school. It's a sweet <laughs> moment. As a mama, this was the first. Yesterday was Halloween for the listeners listening to this later in life. And it was the first year he didn't want to wear a costume, which was like super bittersweet. And he also like his taking school seriously for the first time, really, in his entire young little life of 12. And he's in seventh grade and really starting to build those habits that are going to compound over into his adulthood and who he's going to be, which as a mom and an enabler, I'm like, Oh my god, yay, it's working. (laughs) Uh.
0: (laughs) Let's go, go little tater.
1: Is personal, professional. I became the chief of staff this year of the Enablement Squad. I volunteer for them and it's my community give back in the way that I serve the Enablement community. And it has just been such a blessing and it's so fun to get strategic and creative and innovative and really help take the Enablement Squad to the next chapter of where we're going to be going.
0: Let's go. That's awesome those are excellent flexes dude we got a personal and a professional there so like what is the enablement squad like what what does that look like
1: So glad you asked. And if you're not a part of it, everybody on listening, please feel free to reach out to any of us. We would be happy to get you connected. We are a Slack community group and we do different offerings. So it's community education-based. We are all things serving enablers. So whether you're a team of one and you're looking for resources, support, guidance, templates, anything like that, we have topics and channels for just about everything we do in the world of enablement. If you're looking to just network, expand your offerings, and or look for jobs we also have a job posting uh opportunity channel as well, where we've been impacted by layoffs in tech for the last several years. Um, So really helping people land on their feet. We also do hackathons in different places throughout the region. We have one on the 7th in London that's going to be taking place. And those are four hours where we get people together. We do whiteboarding sessions. There's a topic that you're doing it based on, and you just brainstorm ideas and you leave feeling innovated and invigorated with all these ideas you can take back and implement in your business.
0: God damn, that's so cool. <laughs> that, that's so sick. Yeah. <laughs> Good for you. That's awesome. So you guys are like, you, you are you creating this community from the ground up, it sounds like?
1: No. So it's already been founded. So Matt Shalzi and Steph Medow founded it. They are our co-founders. We've been around for several years. And I we are just expanding our leadership team. And they needed a chief of staff to come in and help organize and really, again, just take us to that next level of where we're trying to go.
0: And what's been like the most fulfilling part of that job for you?
1: Um, Honestly, hanging out with the leadership team. We have an incredible group of leaders and not only getting to help push them and help them grow, but them helping me grow. Like they're some of the most incredible enablers in the space in which we get to work and serve. And I get to just absorb and be a sponge around all of them and their knowledge, their insights, their talents. And it's just been fun.
0: That's so cool. Iron sharpens yeah. iron. Now enlighten me and anyone listening here. What what is a channel enabler? What is what what is that role?
1: So channel enablement is different. So there's enablement, which is typically someone in enablement is a program manager for lack of a better term. And we run all things programs, processes, strategies. So when you're aligned to a sales organization, which I am, you're usually doing sales process, sales methodology, deal reviews, forecasting, manager support, all of those fun activities to support our teams and really equipping the field with what they need when they need it.
0: Okay, interesting. And then, so tell us like what is your, what's your day to day? Like your day to day as, cause you're a chief of staff here, and we're gonna get more into like your career and how we got into that. But what does your day to day look like for as a sales trainer, as a former channel enabler? What does that look like?
1: Yeah. So I'm chief of staff for the enablement squad. That's volunteer. And then my full-time nine to five job, I am our enterprise sales trainer at SalesLoft, which has actually just shifted, uh, but has not officially been updated. I will be running our onboarding program moving forward. And so I'm reinvigorating that from the ground up. So what my day in the life used to look like prior to this new change that just happened a few weeks ago, I hung out with enterprise sales reps all day, every day. I worked with about 15 a quarter and I did deal skill and and strategy reviews with them. So, I, to your point of your beautiful intro to me, Mama Llama, <laughs> <laughs> um, I, we hang out with sales reps. So, we do deal inspection, we ensure they're adhering to MedPick, we strategize, we springboard, we research together and really challenge and push them to ensure that they're maximizing their opportunity, the error that they're driving, and that they have a tight process and they're being honest with themselves on qualifying in and qualifying out the right opportunities at the right time. With my new role, invigorating onboarding, I'm creating it from scratch, from the ground up. We had an old onboarding curriculum that hasn't been refreshed, and we have a lot of new amazing product updates at SalesLoft. We launched Rhythm this year, which is a workflow automation engine, and we just have some incredible stuff. But our onboarding does not reflect that, as we have not Really been in an onboarding hiring influx, which was changing. And so I get the luxury of really getting to flex my instructional designer hat, my facilitator hat, and create it from the ground up.
0: Damn, dude. I would, I'd be so excited if you were the person I like walked <laughs> to an organization. You're like, I am Shantae, I am here. <laughs> like- <laughs> welcome to sales loft and i would be so hyped about that organization good for salesloft man they, they did the right move there so now i want to keep going into your career yeah. but i want to start i always love to start from the beginning because i think every salesperson's journey is like incredibly unique and just really cool so where does it make sense to start this at with you like what what's the okay. first role that you want to Share how you got into this. Space in the
1: beginning. <laughs> um, so I always joke that I've been a seller and enabler since I came out of the womb. We won't go that far. <laughs>
0: <laughs> when I was six, this is when it all started.
1: <laughs> I used to teach my teddy bears and make sure they knew what processes to follow. Yeah. To <laughs> Um, so my path is very different than anyone that I've ever encountered, quite frankly. And also, this is just like my plug to every woman out there who thinks like, I can't do sales. Sales isn't for me. Your path will probably not ever look the same as anyone else's and you can do it. Go and achieve great things. Don't be intimidated by sales. It's incredible. It's fun. It's supportive and like, go get them. Uh, so my path started as a debt collector. And I was a debt collector for a decade. So I say I've been selling my whole life because (laughs) I used to have to sell people as to why they should work with me and prioritize the bills that they had outstanding over some of their other obligations, right? Their families, their bills, other things. And so really having to create that partnership immediately with people from my first job out of the gate full time um, and putting my hat on creating business cases without creating business cases, but going through a financial analysis with people and understanding what are your obligations and what makes the most sense, what is reasonable, and how can we achieve the common goal of clearing this debt together? So I did personal medical debt for a few years, for five years, and then I went into oil and gas, and that's where I got to catch my first big whale, as we call it in tech, and we had a gal who was the head of a certain division. Uh, one of the big DNJ Basin oil and gas companies will not name names. And <laughs> there, was, <laughs> there was $2.6 million that was never recovered. And we were going to write it off at the company that I worked at. And I was like, we're not going to write that off. Like, let me chase it. Just give me two months. And within 45 days, this outstanding accounts that have been sitting there for two years. We recruited every dollar of it. And Damn. that was one of my favorite wins. And then I found my way into tech by way of mistake. If you will, I had a good friend of mine who worked at constant contact and the role for BDR for endurance international. Cause I worked for HostGator originally. Uh, she was like this. I know you're not looking, but like this job description, it's your personality on paper. You have to apply. And I was like, I mean, I'm happy to apply, but like, I'm really not looking like, I love where I'm at. I just moved to Fort Collins. Like my office is right here. Like all of (laughs) the things in life. And I was a single mom at the time. And so I was just like, I don't know that I'm really looking for more change and loved it. Tim Shea and Jason Bronsroth were my interviewers and we had an amazing conversation. They ended up, I think I interviewed two or three times and then extended the job and I didn't want, to pass leads. I worked for HostGator. All of my reps were in Arizona. I wanted to close. (laughs) And (laughs) And it was very quickly that Tim was like, I don't think we're gonna keep you in this role much longer. Let's put you into constant contact in like a seller role. Let's give you a pipeline, all of the things. And did that for a couple of years before I made my way to HubSpot as an account executive where I learned I wanted to be an enabler. And we had just made the COVID transition. And we were really not set up just like every business. Nobody was set up for success when COVID transitioned and you fly people to Boston for a month. And all of a sudden now you need to remote remote onboard these people like no one knew what they were doing and how to do that. And so I started just naturally jumping in and creating assets and working with cross functional partners to fun. ramp all of our cohort successfully. And one of my good mentors who I love nearly, near and dear to my heart, Megan, she was like, hey, have you considered enablement? You're really good at it. And you naturally just do it. And I was like, no, what is this thing? And here we are, all things enablement.
0: So were you do so you were doing those things at HubSpot without them asking? You just jumped in and were like for this massive multinational corporation. You were like, hey, I will make your onboarding. Let's go.
1: Uh well, for our cohort. Yes. I think
0: that's crazy. <laughs> I mean, it's really cool, but that's taking the bull by the horns, dude. Especially how I admire HubSpot a lot as a company and just being able to just even have the confidence to just go in there and be like, I got this. That, that and alone is a testament to who you are. So, like,
1: well, you have to serve your fellow sellers. You know, we want to make sure we're equipped to win deals and not like get our books and be like, where do we go? What do we do? Help
0: us. <laughs> it's so sick, dude. It's so awesome. And then you went from HubSpot. And then, when was your next stop? What was yeah. the next place you went to?
1: Yeah, I was the sales enablement manager at Envision. So our team at HubSpot was not looking at expanding, but I like knew after I got Michelle Benfer, who's no longer there, was the head of global sales. She let me do a fun project to kind of just do as my passion test, my foot in the water of like, is this the journey I want to go down? And I created an e-learning on burnout and got to interview a bunch of different people from small business, mid-market, and our corp division. And I was like, this is it. This is the place I want to be. So I found Envision, and we were a small and mighty team of two, which was such a blessing, though, because I had the opportunity to wear all of the enablement hats. I got to be our CRO's right-hand woman. And I got to do all of our all hands. I got to do customer webinars and customer education. I created and implemented and ran our onboarding program. So I got to coach and onboard our new hires. And we really got to do a lot. I got to plan and execute an RKO. I got to be the MC. Like I got to wear so many hats. It was such a fun fun adventure. And I had the best Boston mentor, Sue Ellen, shout out Sue Ellen, uh, who is just incredible and someone I stay very connected to still today. And I got to learn from her uh, and thank God she was my mentor because she taught me some best in class skills and I am forever grateful. Uh, And then we got laid off. Oh God! <laughs> yeah, both of us got laid off. Uh, when yeah, we started doing tech riffs. Well, actually, we got laid off slightly before the boom, which was also a blessing because people—it was not as much of a competitive market. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I found Salesloft, and my job at Salesloft as our enterprise sales trainer was. My dream, Micah. Like, I work didn't feel like work for the like, not that work ever really feels like work because I love sales and like all things that I do are so fun. But like, I got to coach sales reps all day, every day, and be in deals without having to be in deals. And there's nothing better than helping a sales rep chase a deal. It's amazing to close big deals on your own, but to have somebody else and equip them and empower them and give them the space to find their path forward and then they go and close that deal be so much more rewarding and fulfilling than any deal I've ever closed on my own.
0: Now, do you like, like, just out of curiosity, do you like what you're doing now as an enterprise trainer? Like, does that fill your cup more than the enablement side of things?
1: Um, I would say yes, it definitely is. It's like an. It's like a, It's still under the enablement umbrella, right? Like I'm on the enablement team, mm-hmm. but I get to do the things I love, which is training, facilitating, and coaching. Like those are the three things that set my heart on fire.
0: Hell, dude, that's such a good turn of phrase. Set my heart on fire. That's awesome. <laughs> 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 it's just so good. So, like, when you are doing, I get. I guess my big question about that is, like, is this because I know you're running this entire enablement community Uh, like you are the chief of staff now of this area Mm -hmm. so like just so I understand because I'm not in the enablement side I have been an account executive through and through I've never jumped in I've never dived in I've just let them do Mm -hmm. their thing like what (laughs) (laughs) like like, what I guess
1: typical (laughs) seller (laughs)
0: that's I'm not going to lie to you like I don't know how enablement works like I have friends right now trying to get into enablement and I'm watching them it's brutal it's a brutal job market for enablement right now so like I guess if people are li- like people listening like how how do you like even break into the space
1: mm, such a great question and one of my favorite conversations to have with people trying to break into enablement I dedicate three hours a week to people that are looking at career conversations that I give my time back to people. And it's my favorite thing to talk about um, (laughs) because there's so many ways in which you can do this and having a, and there's like a hot topic debate in all the enablement community about like, do you need a sales background? Do you not? Do you need to have a bag? And I personally believe having a bag, especially as a seller coming into enablement is one of the most helpful things you can do because the, number one mission critical thing that you need to have is empathy. Empathy for your sellers, empathy for your stakeholders, your CRO, your SVPs, your frontline leaders. You need to understand and be aware of everything that they're going through day in and day out. And if you've been in seat, you've had a quota, you've had that pressure, you've had that bag, you get it at a different level. You know what the burnout feels like. You know what the stress feels like. You know what like the month over month, quarter over quarter, like you know what it's like. You know the pressure of forecasts. You know how valuable time is, you know, how much like asset creation and like making sure it's truly field ready for all of us that are like raging with ADD sellers, me too. Um, you need to just, you get it in a different way. Um, so I would say like translating your skill set, especially coming from sales, which I'm speaking directly to that since that's your audience, is... Making sure that you translate your skills in a way in which is makes you marketable. So as a seller, your resume and your cover letter are probably geared toward all of your analytics. Of course, you lead with the data, right? Like here's my attainment, here's how many deal, how many leads I work with, here's my pipeline, all of the things. As an enabler, how you want to translate that? Are you supporting other people? And if so, how many people? Are you a team lead? How many people? Did you impact their time to ramp? Did they close a deal faster because you were their mentor or their buddy? And starting to highlight some of those things. Did you create processes and procedures that made people more efficient? As an AE, did you work more closely with the BDR team to equip them for success and to have a true partnership with their account executives? All of those things that you're doing, where you're wearing an enablement hat without wearing the enablement hat. Leading with those and highlighting them, but never leave the attainment things off of the resume because that also obviously matters. And we want to know you can. <laughs>
0: <laughs> they want to make sure that you can also like sell. So you can teach people how to sell, right? right? Except- so, like, how deep does this enable? Like, I am like asking honestly out of curiosity because again, yeah. I've had people reaching out. Like, how do? How deep does this enablement hold go? Like, what falls under enablement? Like, would a a business manager, like a, a manager doesn't fall under enablement, presumably. That's, so, not, that's too far.
1: Such a good question. Well, we do have managers and VPs and directors, right? Like we have a massive hierarchy. It depends on the business and the business maturity where they're at. So a lot of enablement and ops is shifting right now. And we're seeing a go-to-market enablement revolution versus like business alignment and strategy that way. So we're seeing more of that full customer and buyer lifecycle journey, covering that through the enablement lens versus just sales. So it used to be very much sales enablement and we were focused just on the revenue generating teams, not necessarily always inclusive of CS and RMs and all of those other teams, but now covering the entire go to market. And so there's also companies like LinkedIn, they have a massive enablement team. So does Slack slash and Salesforce, like they have a 200 plus person team, like massive enablement teams. And some of those teams at larger enterprise organizations like that will have teams of coaches, they have onboarding specialists, they have manager enablement, they have program managers, it really just Again, depends on the business and the maturity. And then you have startups. You have typically a team of one and they're doing it all. They're probably creating a charter. They're creating onboarding from scratch. They're creating sales processes, methodologies, they're implementing those things, setting up your conversational intelligence and in your sales force to ensure that it maps back to following those best practices.
0: Interesting. <laughs> God damn, that's a lot, man. That's a lot. <laughs> that's a lot. Because I remember the organizations I've been a part of, the enablement team wasn't as mighty as you're describing. Like what is and what do you say?
1: It depends on the organization and the maturity. So like And the investment. That's another thing. Uh it also really depends on your C-suite. And do they believe in enablement? Have they had a good experience with enablement, like that's something I tell everybody who I meet with from a career perspective is like, if you're interviewing, you need to get as high as you possibly can and try your damnedest to meet with the CRO and have an interview with them and ask them like, what are you, are you bought into enablement? How do you see enablement? And what's the value you want them to drive for this business to propel us forward to where we're trying to grow? Because if they're not bought into enablement, you're typically the first ones caught cut, excuse me, or you're the catch-all. And that is the enablement in which we're really trying to drive away from is being more strategic and not like, hey, we have this need. Enablement can do it. Hey, we have this other thing. Enablement can do it. Because then you you own tools, you own tech, you own everything that any AE ever touches, and it just becomes impossible to do anything well. You can do it all, but it's not going to be well.
0: So the way you're describing enablement, it sounds like vital lifeblood of an organization so like why would a cro not have that belief
1: Mm, such a good question mega one i ask myself often like i i
0: I, like what i I don't even understand what like the other side Mm -hmm. of this is like just throw it on to your managers and director and say a prayer like what
1: I think it's truly like experience, right? Like that's all that life is at the end of the day. It's an evolution. It's experience. It's your perspective. If you've not had a great experience with the people in which you've chosen to lead your enablement team and initiatives, and or they're not strategic, they're not data driven, they're not showing you the results and speaking to you in your language, right? Back to what we talked about, about coming into this world, understanding your CRO, like they don't care about a Kirkpatrick model. They don't care about adult learning modules and psychology and a flipped classroom, they care about the number they care about. Do we have the deals in the pipeline? Are we going public? What's our growth to profitability? Like you need to make sure that you're tailoring things in the world in which they, they want and need. And so I would say if you haven't had that experience and you have somebody who's coming to you and not propelling or driving your business forward, not increasing your win rates, not decreasing this sales cycle, like it, Probably doesn't look like a good investment to you, based on your experience.
0: Interesting. So you're saying, since they're usually such numbers-driven people, if you're not presenting them with actual stats on like the benefits of mm-hmm. an enablement team, mm-hmm. they're probably not going to fly with you,
1: right? Exactly. Okay.
0: Interesting. How like <laughs> how do you frame that? Like is that so? Like how how I don't. It's such a big question. How do I make that a smaller question? Like how, like, I guess the curiosity is because it sounds like enablement is a lot of, like, there's a lot of hard skills in it, but there's also a ton of soft skills. So like, when you are going through that process, like, what is the biggest hurdle for getting that actual data? Like, how do you get that information out the way it needs to be?
1: I think you need to have a starting line and you need to know what you're going for. There's so much data, especially in the world of tech. Like we have so much data at our fingertips. Not, I think it's like a beautiful fine balance and only measuring three, maybe to five, but even that is a little aggressive, three key metrics and honing in that like, these are the metrics that the entire business is focused on. And you start with your company OKRs, right? Like every global company, they have their global initiatives for the year that they're chasing. Of that, are the three data metrics that I've pinpointed, are they hitting everything that I need to hit? And you really work backwards, right? Like, okay, based on where we're going as a company, here's the three metrics and the leading and lagging indicators that will attribute to all, cover all of those things. And now I'm going to create the charter for the year and our annual initiatives to support those things. So usually it's win rate, deal velocity, deal size. Those are some of the, like the main ones that I would
0: strive to include. Damn. People got to join your Slack channel, dude. Holy shit. <laughs> these, 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 I am getting a lesson on enablement. It sounds like a very, very cool world. And it mm-hmm. sounds like it is just like for me, I like, if I was a CRO, I would be sold on it. Like, I don't, I don't see the reason not to have it. Cause otherwise you have people that don't know what they're doing with the specific like I don't even call it a niche because it's like the it's like it sounds like it's the heartbeat of sales. Would that be mm-hmm. a fair?
1: Totally, totally. Like for example, the statistics I used in my QBR for H one for the reps that I worked with, I was measuring win rates, ARR, and then I did surveys similar to an NPS, um, and I. The reps I worked with had a 22% increased average win rate compared to our global average. I influenced 1.85 million in ARR, and I had five out of five on all of my results from not only AEs, but frontline managers. And then I pulled some of those key quotes, which we all know. Sellers, first of all, hate filling out surveys. Second of all, they're not going to give feedback. Every single one of them wrote a paragraph about their experience working with me. So I pulled and highlighted a couple of those to show like not only the strategy, but now as a professional, you have invested in this person and they can take all of the skills we've built together in the last half and take them wherever they go for their entirety of their career.
0: God damn, bro. That was a flex and a half. That was all good for you, dude. (laughs) (laughs) That's so sick. You did so well with these people that you got salespeople to like do something besides sell. That's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> That's a miracle I've ever heard one. Good job. <laughs> Damn. Damn. Good for you, dude. I'm so glad you're killing it the way you are. So now you've you, you had, like, you started as a debt collector. Now you're doing, mm-hmm. you're all the way here. Like, you're killing it as an enterprise sales trainer. So, like, what what's next? Like, what are you looking to, like, where's the next step? Like, what do you want to keep doing? Like, you want to keep... Running around and training people and making everyone the best version of themselves. Are you going? How like what's I'm what what's next?
1: Coaching, training, facilitation is where I will be. Like. For the end of my day, it's like I have found (laughs) really like the things, like I said, that set my heart and soul on fire and where I can scale myself. Like I love working with customers, but being able to work with sales reps and nurture and create those relationships and managers and leaders is priceless. Uh, So that is 100% where I will be till the end of time. I also want to be the sales trainer of the decade and on the TEDx stage. Like that's my 10-year goal I'm aiming toward. And when Liam graduates high school, I think we've talked about this back in our CTCT days, which feels so long ago now. Uh, But I want to live in a third world country and serve women and children. And whilst I'm doing that, I would like to do like a couple sales kickoffs or revenue kickoffs a year and come and speak and train and hang out with my sales peeps.
0: God damn, dude. Those are some cool ass goals. Is there like a sales trainer of the, like, is that a thing? Is that like an award? No, someone
1: else asked. Someone else (laughs) asked. I was like, it's definitely not a thing, but like, I'm going to find a way to make it a thing.
0: Matt, Like, if you continue to grow this community, like, you can make your own awards, Mm -hmm. dude. Anything is possible. (laughs) But you wouldn't be able to vote for yourself. You'd have to like earn the votes. But it sounds like you get everyone to vote for you anyway. Like just by being you, you don't ask for it, you just get it, you know. Mm-hmm. So, like, I I wouldn't bet against you if I was better if I was a betting man, dude. That you can do it, why not? And also, I like the other goal a lot. You know, I love traveling, so like going and helping people. Sick too, they're just cool, cool goals. I love salespeople with altruistic goals. I think that is much needed in this community, mm-hmm. <laughs> significantly. So now. Um, I guess the next thing just to find out like to get to where you're at you've gone through a lot so like for you personally what are your personal keys to success?
1: Mm, I will save my repeat on my good pals David and Logie Bear for the end but I think which is mindset spoiler alert for those that haven't listened to those episodes yet (laughs) Um, which if you haven't check them out Um, but I would say (laughs) <laughs> yeah of course um i would definitely say i have always 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 this is advice i got young and i was told by a ceo years ago like women can't be in sales and like allowed that to keep me down for a while and then i was like actually bs i'm gonna use that as fire and like i'm gonna sh- prove you wrong first of all and then i'm gonna propel myself forward so i would say first of all like take the negatives and turn them into positives like find the way to everybody who's trying to hold you down to use that as your springboard to push you up and forward. And then secondly, like look at the people around you in your sphere of influence. I, always surround myself with people who are where I want to be and who can help me get to where I'm trying to go. So like I have a CEO of her own company and an entrepreneur who's one of my mentors right now because that's goals I'm chasing and trying to achieve. I have authors that are mentors of mine. I have people in TEDx that I follow very closely and I'm working my way into their DMs to find a mentor there. Like Always surrounding yourself with people who will not only up-level you, but who have been on the path that you're trying to walk and who have seen success. Even in sales, like I always listen to top performers' calls. I would ask them if I could shadow them, watch how they worked, watch how they prospect. Like, What's your target account strategy? And find the people that complement your style, but aren't exactly like you. Because you don't want somebody who's exactly like you. You want somebody who can push you in ways that you wouldn't push yourself.
0: Hell yeah. And for people, I mean, how do you even go about finding these mentors or these people to network with? Cause that's what people are scared of, dude. Like people are scared of people with a lot of success. So how do you just go do that? What is it? Um, what is it? Let's give the secret sauce, but like,
1: what's your play? Okay. We're in sales y'all. If you are too scared to go into someone's DMs for your own personal benefit and gain, but you will go into someone's DMs for your company Look at me, y'all. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna say that.
0: Yeah, dude. That's so good. That's so
1: good.
0: Oh, that's so good. Oh, that's so good. I, I love feel like that.
1: Where I can add a little spice, so that's my spice. I'll add.
0: No, I mean that's totally fair. Like, what? Why not just reach out to people you want to connect with? Like, what's gonna happen, bro? They're gonna bite your head off?
1: And what? Literally, what's the worst? They're gonna say no? Okay, great. Do you have someone in your network with similar skills and traits that would you would recommend I connect with? Just like prospecting, right? Like, cool. Damn. A no is just an objection that means there's more under the hood to find. Okay, great. If not you, then who can you point me to? Damn.
0: God, that's such good advice, Shante. That's just such good advice. So now- and I will
1: also say, like, mindset. Right? Like, the piece I was waiting. Um, Logan and and David talked a lot about this, but like, you know, I used to do energy sessions out of my garage for the sales people. Contact, like, it matters. Like, staying grounded and rooted and always aligned to your values and ensuring a clear mind. As Bo would say, like, keeping your horse blinders on. Like, it's easy to compare, it's easy to fall into imposter syndrome. Like, especially as women, like, we're already facing adversity. Like, there's so many things. Just staying true to you and keeping yourself and your mind like a helmet, whatever you want to call it. Like keep your mind protected.
0: Hell yeah. And then lastly, to tie everything together, what's if someone was listening to this, what's like the thing you want them to take away?
1: Just go and get it. Like truly yesterday was Halloween. The Barbie movie came out this year. Like, I don't know when people as children stop believing and dreaming and thinking they can achieve things, but like, why not? Who's putting the limit or the box or the ceiling over you other than you? And do some self-evaluation and some reflections and challenge yourself. And if your circle and your sphere isn't challenging you, I'd encourage you to up-level the people around you and have people who will fight for you just as much as you should fight for yourself.
0: Damn! And on that note, Shantae, thank you so much for coming on to the podcast. It was enlightening to say the least talking to you I learned a lot about just the whole world of enablement and I had a lot of respect for you going into this I have somehow more respect for you coming out of this <laughs> so I appreciate you taking the time with me here today and
1: just thank you mm, thank you Mecca. thank you for all you're doing thank you for trying to reframe sales it's so needed you're such the person to do it and let's keep on reframing sales and making it not what people might think it is so I'm thank co- you I'm, I'm
0: gonna quote that and that's gonna be my intro now <laughs> 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 i appreciate you <laughs>